Welcome to the second episode of Commuting the Cosmos, where we're still having fun in the solar system. I'm Samuel Hinton, and today's episode follows on from the last, and we'll be talking about various plans to terraform Mars, and why not all plans are made equal. So as we discussed in the previous episode, if we want to get off the planet, Mars does seem like one of the better options. Unfortunately, it's not the best option at the moment, and there are certain things we could potentially do that might make Mars far better for us as humans, you know? So as humans, we would like an atmosphere to breathe. We would like some form of climate which doesn't freeze us to death or burn us alive. And, you know, if we're trying to be greedy here, some flora and fauna might just add to the scenery. So that's essentially what we're going to be looking at when we say we want to terraform Mars. The main concern here, obviously, is the atmosphere, because without that, everything else just falls apart. So to recap, Mars does have an atmosphere. However, it's less than 1% the density of Earth's atmosphere, so that's not quite good enough. That's not enough to breathe, that's not enough to walk around without a pressure suit, it's not enough for most plant life, it's not enough for radiation shielding, it's just not enough. So what we need to do is somehow get more of it. Now, if you're paying attention to the last episode, you'd probably remember that Venus has an atmosphere. In fact, it has a lot of atmosphere. And most of that is carbon dioxide, which is fantastic. So if only we could steal Venus's atmosphere, this would be so easy. However, we need a lot of atmosphere. And unless we're trying to design some sort of solar system-wide plumbing network, simply taking other atmospheres, especially in gaseous form, simply isn't going to work. So if we did want to add atmosphere, we'd probably have to try and find something solid that would then evaporate into a gas. It just makes it much more efficient. And maybe we don't go for CO2 because whilst CO2 is great, it's a greenhouse gas. There are better greenhouse gases. We can get more bang for our buck if we go elsewhere. So ammonia is a better greenhouse gas. And lucky for us, there's ammonia ice all throughout the outer solar system. So what we could do, go to the outer solar system, strap some rockets onto some big chunks of ice, and then just shoot it towards Mars, let it impact, it'll evaporate and vaporize when it strikes the surface, and then suddenly not only are we adding ice, we're also adding extra heat. Now that won't really stay around, but you know, small things can potentially add up. This probably isn't one of those cases though. Now, if we're trying to add ammonia, that, that's good, that's a hydrocarbon, but there are other hydrocarbons that we could look at. So if you remember, Titan has lakes of methane on it. Lakes of methane. If we could take some of those lakes and transport them, that's another fantastic bit of hydrocarbon that will all evaporate into the atmosphere, add to the greenhouse effect. Now, as much fun as shipping vast lakes of methane might be, I feel like the better idea is to simply take Titan itself, strap a rocket onto the whole moon, and then throw the entire moon at Mars. It may take a couple million years for it all to solidify back into one giant sphere again, but then hey, we've saved on the shipping costs, it's got a bunch of methane, much better atmosphere, there may just be some slight instability in the surface. We can live with that. But let's say that we're trying to restrict ourselves to Mars. So where can we find gas on Mars? 
Well, if we're after oxygen, which is useful for us humans, Mars does have some. It's trapped in the regolith, where the regolith are just the, I guess, loose rocks and debris on the surface of the planet. However, there's no significant amount there, so not really worth the effort. If we want carbon dioxide, there's plenty of that trapped up in the polar ice. So we just need to figure out some way of melting this polar ice. Some people have suggested going to Mars, drilling through the ice in a sort of grid-like structure, planting nuclear bombs, and then detonating them. No thanks, um, I'm going to try and get our CO2 uranium free, so if we need explosions, why don't we go back to what we were doing before with throwing ammonia, and instead of ammonia, throw rocks. So we have the energy yield of nuclear weapons, no uranium, it's, it's clean energy, and we let gravity essentially do all our work for us. Just bombard the polar ice caps with rocks. It seems to work. At least it's better than some of the other ideas. So it has been proposed that we should construct a giant space mirror that would orbit Mars and shine light onto the poles. Now, the calculations that were done back in 93 indicated that this needed to be at least 100 kilometers in radius, and even using an ultra-thin solar sail-like material still weighed in excess of 200,000 tons. And as much as I'm for solar power, that seems a tad excessive to build a giant mirror just for that. I think a far better way is to make the poles reflect less light and absorb more of it. That way they heat up. Just make the poles darker, right? You know, dark colors absorb more light. Now this doesn't mean we go down with a paintbrush and paint and just get to work. What we could do is take dark dust and sprinkle it on the pole. So whether we do that via bombardment again, or simply releasing vast clouds of dust above the planet and letting it rain down, I don't really care. But a better idea is to genetically engineer dark cyanobacteria. So this is bacteria that will use photosynthesis to turn carbon dioxide into oxygen. And so long as it's dark enough, you can plant it on the poles, it will absorb light, heat up, melt the caps, the caps release the carbon dioxide, and then the bacteria go to work converting that carbon dioxide into oxygen, which is fantastic, right? Except there's still some, some bad news here. Even if you melt the entirety of the caps, all you do is double the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So Mars would go from around 100 millibars in pressure to 200 millibars in pressure. This is not enough for us, and it only gives us around a, a 10 degrees Celsius warming of the planet. So this is, I mean, it's something, but it's nowhere near good enough. So what we're going to have to do is find other sources, other ways of warming up the planet and thickening that atmosphere. And something else to take into account is that even if the atmosphere is nice and thick and carbon dioxide-y, as organic beings, we still require nitrogen. And that's a big thing which Mars doesn't have. So we can get that from ammonia or from some other source. Now, as human beings, we are actually very good at producing hydrocarbons and other waste products. We've been doing it on Earth a bit too well, but there's no reason why we can't take this over to Mars, set up a bunch of factories, and just start pumping out all this dangerous stuff. In fact, one thing we could do is deliberately manufacture and release chlorofluorocarbons, so CFCs. 
So these provide a greenhouse gas effect thousands of times stronger than carbon dioxide, so that would be fantastic if we wanted to warm the planet up as quickly as possible. There is a downside, which is that in our atmosphere, we probably want an ozone layer at some point. So an ozone layer is great because it takes the ultraviolet radiation coming from the sun and it absorbs it. This is good for us because if ultraviolet radiation hits a water molecule and it has enough energy, it makes the water molecule dissociate back into hydrogen and oxygen. So you don't have water anymore, you have two different gases. So an ozone layer is quite handy when you want to actually keep the water that you have around. And we've found out firsthand that CFCs destroy the ozone layer. You might have heard of the hole in the ozone layer, and that was all because of the CFCs that we were producing, which have now been phased out, and hence why the ozone layer is slowly recovering. If we want ozone, CFCs are not the best way to go, but perhaps we should solve, you know, one problem at a time. So another problem that I haven't talked about yet is shielding, that is radiation shielding. And a thick atmosphere is quite good for this, however, it's not exactly enough. So we have a thick atmosphere, we have an ozone layer, fantastic, but that's not going to stay around for very long unless we have a magnetosphere, where a magnetosphere protects us from certain things like the solar wind. So Mars used to have a magnetosphere, however it shut down around 4.2 billion years ago. It seems relatively unlikely that we'll be able to start it back up, so we need our own one. If we wanted to build our own on Mars, it has been proposed that you can create a ring of superconducting wire around the planet, and so long as you pump enough direct current through it, you'll generate a magnetic field that will mimic a magnetosphere. Fantastic. However, it does involve building a superconducting ring, or five, around the whole planet. That's a lot of effort. A far better idea that I've seen is to go to the L1 Lagrange point and build a dipole magnet. To give some introduction to that, Lagrange points are areas around the orbit of, let's say in this case, Mars and the Sun, in which the gravitational pull of Mars and the Sun together balance out and you essentially have stable orbits. The L1 point lies between Mars and the Sun, the L2 point lies behind Mars, and the L3 point lies opposite to Mars on the same orbital distance. So the L1 point, if you put a giant magnet there, just a dipole magnet, nothing fancy, would sit between Mars and the Sun, and you could use that to deflect everything coming from the Sun, essentially giving you all the protection of a magnetosphere without having to change the planet in any way. So let's assume that we've done this, we've built a giant magnet in space, we have the protection of a magnetosphere, we've melted the polar ice caps, we've doubled the amount of CO2, we've somehow released a bunch of other hydrocarbons and other gases into the atmosphere to get it nice and thick. Uh, as to how you do that, I don't have a clue. What you'd then do is essentially seed bacteria, seed life, and then wait for a couple hundred or thousand years for it all to come to equilibrium. So none of this is exactly a short process. In fact, even optimistic plans for terraforming Mars take place over hundreds or thousands of years. So that means for anyone listening that wants to go to Mars, we're essentially restricted to living under a dome. And that's going to be true for quite a while. Now, if the solutions you've heard about today haven't been enough, haven't been over the top enough, 
Roy Ken advocates something called shell worlds. So shell worlds are when you take the planet and you build a shell all the way around it. So we're talking a nice thick Kevlar and steel shell. And this provides obviously fantastic radiation shielding. Cool, you don't need a magnetosphere, that's nice. And then what you do is you build the industry and the spaceports on top of the shell. And then he proposes having the residential areas either hanging underneath the shell or simply on the ground. Now, because the shell is solid and Kevlar and steel do not admit light, you would need to coat the entirety of the inside of the shell with lights. Now, this seems like a lot of effort, but imagine the perfect weather that you'd have every day, given that you have complete control over all sources of light on the planet, you essentially have perfect or almost perfect weather engineering. So if someone can figure out how to cover an entire planet in a giant shell, in a timely and cost-efficient method, please let me know. Now, every method that we've talked about today has one final problem that I haven't gone into yet, which is simply that our rocket technology isn't quite there. Whether we're trying to tow comets or asteroids from the outer solar system to bombard Mars, or simply set up factories over on the surface, we simply cannot do this until our rocket tech gets better. Whether that's NASA, SpaceX, or someone else, we get some breakthroughs in the near future, and some of these plans can actually be put into action. Until then, we have to sit tight and just use the power of our imagination. That's all the terraforming techniques that I've heard about that are in some way viable. If you've heard of some that I might have missed, please let me know. Feel free to send an email to commutingthecosmos at gmail.com and I will try and incorporate that into a future episode. Similarly, if you have questions that you would like answered, send an email through. And at the moment, the most requested question is, what is dark matter? So we'll be covering that in the next episode, and I hope you'll join me then.